Hi, podcast listeners. We're excited to share our show with you. This is us discussing the effects of coronavirus on our personal lives and is not meant to replace a therapy session. For professional advice, or if you're in crisis, seek professional help. Hi, Stace. Hi, Layla. Um, what what are we doing? <laughs> a little unsure right now. We're in a brave new world with coronavirus, and let's figure it out together. I'm Layla, co-founder of Bridger Media. I'm concerned about the effect of COVID-19 on our mental health. I'm Stacy. As a therapist, I've seen the effects of the current crisis. So we created a show to dissect and navigate this critical time together. Let's stay calm with COVID. We have a ton to talk about. So many developments over the weekend. One of the things is the eight-week recommendation by the CDC. Is that for just LA? What areas? I haven't heard of that. Um, any, Any gatherings over 50 people the CDC is recommending be completely stopped for the next eight weeks. Wow. So how do you feel about it, hearing it for the first time? I feel fine. It does seem like a long time or longer than we are, we were initially expecting, but I think people have not been taking it seriously enough. I think maybe it's because things weren't taken seriously enough in the beginning, even with all those warnings, even with the WHO saying this is not a drill weeks and weeks ago, that we are now in the situation where the recommendation is eight weeks. I I actually wonder if that's going to end up being too short. I read some estimates of a year. I mean, I just, I feel like the only way that this could be a two to four week thing is if literally the entire country was at a standstill and everybody just stopped and stayed home and everyone who's sick just wrote it out. There's actually absolutely no opportunity for passing this on. And that is not going to happen, which is why some estimates are a year, not a year of self-isolation, but a year of alert. Mm-hmm. I'd heard that it could take a year to pass, to kind of work its way through. Um, Also, a vaccine will take about a year. Something I found really interesting that you mentioned this weekend is the story of having gone to France. Remind me again of those dates. Yeah, um, it was the very, we were, went to Paris the very end of January. We flew from Las Vegas, direct flight to Paris and, and back. And who went? It was my mom, my sister sister-in-law and my high school best friend. She just told you something really crazy that happened after that trip. Yeah. So she lives about an hour and a half away from me. And she said that 10 days after she returned home, she got really sick to the point where she had to go to the doctor to get treatments for her breathing. She was very short of breath and she was in bed for five days and had to go to the doctor for breathing treatments. They sent her home with steroids and an inhaler. They didn't test her at that time, but she feels like that's probably what she had, that she did have COVID. I feel like it might have been a little bit early. I don't know how common it was in France at that time, but perhaps just being at the airport, right, with so many people traveling through, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, by then, there was already the crisis in Wuhan because the outbreak happened, I think, around December 21st. And by then, there must have been thousands and thousands of people 
flying out of Wuhan across the world. And I, I did want to mention that I think, you know, part of the racism that people of East Asian descent are feeling has to do with people thinking that the only travelers to and from China are people of Chinese descent. But I would argue that the entire world is extremely reliant on China for everything. And so anybody could be traveling to China. I mean, we went to China 10 years ago. This idea that there must have been lots of business people and tourists and families traveling out of Wuhan at the time is real. And I would not be surprised. Uh, again, totally unscientific, but imagining that the outbreak happened in December. People by then, by the time it's an outbreak, we already know, we know now, the numbers are a lot higher than what we see. One thing that I would love to hear from you is how we deal with something that's so invisible. So the idea that something may have already been traveling around the globe and is just now emerging is kind of scary. A lot of psychologists talk about how, you know, a lot of the enemy is within, but now like the enemy actually is within and it's everywhere and it could be anybody. And so how, how do we deal with like an invisible enemy that could be in anybody we encounter? I think we do have to examine some of our own biases and, and racisms and such in being aware of what we assume about those around us. Because it's true, this COVID and most other pandemics do not have a preference. They do not um, discriminate, something that we are all susceptible to. And so just recognizing, right, that we need to look out for each other, show compassion, and not just a free-for-all, I'm going to hoard as many face masks and sanitizers as I can, but recognizing that we, we all really looking out for each other is going to protect us better. We need to share our resources at this time so that we can be better protected. That reminds me of a story of these two brothers who saw coronavirus coming maybe back in January and traveled up and down their state, maybe even outside of their state, and collected thousands and thousands of face masks and collected thousands and thousands of face masks, hand sanitizers, disinfectants and started selling them on eBay, Amazon for a much, much higher price, maybe quadruple, quintuple, what it would typically sell, maybe even 10 to 20 times more. And at first they sold and I understand the concept of supply and demand. And they did say that people bought them at whatever price point was given I, I don't necessarily trust that people were buying them in cash and that just had all this disposable income to pay for hand sanitizers. They were bought until a crackdown happened. And what I found really interesting about that article was it had more comments. This was in the New York Times, thousands and thousands with all kinds of opinions from putting down the capitalistic society we live in to blaming Amazon for allowing this to happen. And so I think one word that I've been seeing in social media is this word reset, like our society needed a reset and here, here it is. And so I think like the reaction to those two brothers 
And then also the fact that they later donated everything, have decided to donate everything, to me feels like a huge reset for them, but also for society. And in a way, there's a healing that's part of that. I think that there's a chance for a lot of good to come out of this. We can take stock of how we are reaching out to our neighbors and our self-awareness, our own coping skills. I hope everybody's seen some videos of people singing from their balconies in Italy and in Spain doing exercises from their balcony. I saw one of a, like a professional opera singer singing from his balcony in Italy and it was gave me the chills. It was so touching. It's connecting us in a way that we're not used to. It's making us slow down and be more aware and be more conscious of respecting life and respecting mortality in, in general. Hey, podcast listeners, we'd love to have you join us on our journey to find the calm. Email me, Layla, at Layla at BridgerMedia.com. That's L-E-I-L-A at B-R-I-D-G-R-Media.com. Back to the silence. It feels like the killer is silent, how we feel is silent, whether or not we may be affected as silent. I mean, what's crazy is that there were always these types of things lurking. I think how lethal this is. What are your ideas for how we can overcome the silence with which we are surrounded? Not because silence is bad, but these inner anxiety that we're feeling. Are you talking more about deeper philosophy, like <laughs> philosophical, like the killer, you know, like the silent killers within all of it, like the more like disease part or like our own anxieties. Maybe this is a good point to build on what you suggested of checking in with yourself. I recommended that we all take time to check in with ourselves daily and see where our, our thoughts are, our level of stress and anxiety. And I think this is a chance to, to also take it a step further and knowing what we need is the first step, being able to check in with ourselves, see how we're feeling, and then being able to know why we feel that way, and then what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Or maybe better question, can you take us through the steps of what that might look like? Oftentimes we feel surface emotions, anger, sadness, surprise, happy, but we don't really know what's underneath those emotions. And so learning to really dive deeper and identify exactly what it is that we're feeling. There is an emotion wheel that we can link in the show notes that can be very helpful to you start in the middle and identify an emotion that you're feeling and then you take it one step out and read the options. There's also an app called Mood Meter uh, that you can download. I believe it's 99 cents, but it's another really great option to be able to scroll, find the feelings that you're feeling and a box will pop up and you can type in why you're feeling that way and it will track it for you over time. So once you've identified what you're feeling. And what's that called again? Mood meter. Okay. So once you've identified what you're feeling. Then ask yourself, where did this come from? So it's normal to feel feelings. It's part of our human experience and feelings aren't good or bad. They just are. And so identifying, well, where did this come from? Without judgment, allow of 
allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling, give ourselves permission to feel it, and then identify where did it come from. Sometimes we're angry because we're being mistreated and we need to stand up for ourselves. We need to do something. Sometimes we have, we are triggered by a past experience. And so we're reacting to an unresolved something from our past. And that's why we're feeling upset or angry or sad. It's not necessarily that our friend said or did something wrong, but it reminds us of a past experience that we've had that we need to work on and work through. So there are many reasons that we might be feeling something. And so it's kind of teasing out, is this something that I need to act on to to do something? Or is this reminding me of a past experience? And maybe I need to work through that and figure out why this is triggering me. And then knowing what to, to, to do from there, realizing that we have choices that we can choose how we respond to the feeling. And that's where the power lies. If, if anybody who has kids has probably told your kid, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to hit or, you know, to act out on that. And so for ourselves, it's the same checking in, where is this coming from? And then what can I do about it? What are appropriate ways to respond to this feeling? And then that's where kind of those healthy coping mechanisms come in, right? What are how do I usually respond versus maybe I want to try something that might be a healthier response to this feeling? Yeah, we're very lucky. We live in a society that is abundant and we've been reassured the last couple of days that our food supply chains, they are, you know, their limits are being tested, but they are intact And so I think a lot of the anxiety and worry around food supply and maybe household supplies, household goods, we are reassured are unnecessary. And so maybe that knowledge can allow us to step back and, you know, investigate why we're feeling what we're feeling while we're social distancing ourselves to not distance ourselves from our own feelings like let's use this as an opportunity to confront those parts of ourselves that maybe are being brought to the surface because of this and use that to make the world better because ultimately that is that is the most pronounced thing that i have seen come out of this is the amount of love and kindness and we were told that this week is the week that it's going to affect somebody we know that we are going to personally uh, be maybe a degree away from this happening. I have been astounded by the amount of love that keeps pouring out, the amount of kindness. And as you said, from exercise being offered from rooftops to doctors and nurses wanting to be at work and wanting to be at the front lines, it's pretty incredible. Yes, let's show kindness to others and ourselves. Lots of self-love and and love to others. Thanks for joining us. This show is evolving. If you have ideas for what you'd like to hear, let us know. Email me, Layla, at bridgermedia.com. That's L-E-I-L-A at B-R-I-D-G-R media.com. See you next time on Calm with COVID.